1: And this is Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman coming to you from the Franchise Today studio at FRM Solutions in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, today is Wednesday, November 6th, and the fall season, albeit a little late in arriving this year, is finally in full swing. There are clearly more leaves on the ground than in the trees, but who am I to complain where rumor has it that, you know, first snowfalls of the season are already happening in places to the north and west. So I'll happily take the 60s by day, the 40s by by night, and yes, sweater weather is just fine by me. Say, before I jump into this week's birthday greetings, many thanks again to last week's guest, Zaxby's own Trey Doster. I mean it when I say that Trey is one of the nicest people in the world, not just in franchising, and he's one of the most giving as well. He certainly proved that up last week with all that he shared with us here. So, Trey, until I see you again at the next Southeast Franchise Forum meeting or out there on the franchise trail, many thanks again for. Visiting us last week, right here on Franchise Today. And now, to kick things off for this week in the front of the house, it's many happy returns this week to Debbie Benedict, Evelina Baldwin, Robert Stidham, Jeff Colton, Rick Ivey, James Weber, John Jordan, Pat Burns Peterson, Susan Rather, Brad Barnett, Cassie Muldoon, Dan Limer, Clay Clark, Drew Paris, Charlie Vidanovich, Pamela Greenier LaBelle, Margaret McIntyre, and lastly, in memory of my late friend Jose who too would have celebrated a birthday today happy birthday one and all hope i didn't miss anyone And a reminder that the front of the house is brought to you this week by Transitive, where Christian Pillett and his team provide franchisors and franchisees with cutting-edge, high-tech solutions that enable them to identify their most valued customers and then simply and easily empowers them to drive laser-sharp conversational marketing messages directly to those targets. More about Transitive coming up in just a minute. Also today in the front of the house, I want to wish congratulations to two guys that I really like and respect. I'm talking about Lauren Fisher and Jeff Sturgis. In a press release that was datelined October 31st, they announced the launch of Fish Consulting Services for emerging and mature brands. Of course, many of us have been familiar with Fish PR for years. But what a great move for Lauren to further expand services to his existing client base and to prospective clients as well, and to have the good fortune to do so with a guy like Jeff Sturgis. So together, in addition to the full service communications and franchise PR and marketing that firm has long been known for, he and Jeff will begin offering franchise consulting services to help drive strategic and sustainable growth at the unit level for emerging and mature franchise brands. These will include franchise development assessments, strategic planning, franchise sales, mystery shopping, and sales process evaluations, plan implementation, and outsourced leadership support for franchisor development teams. Congrats to you both. We'll keep an eye on your progress, and I'm going to reach out to you guys in the weeks ahead and get you booked for an episode of Franchise Today. And so with that said, I think it's time we take a quick break. And then just ahead, this week's guest interview with yet another icon in franchising. I'm talking about Scott Lair, who recently retired as Executive Vice President of the IFA after a 29-year career in leadership with the organization. But there's no keeping Scott down. So in addition to his illustrious IFA career, we'll talk too about a new chapter in his story, one that includes the launch of a new venture with two-part Two new partners, well, new to Scott as partners, but also industry bigwigs that we all know, none other than MFV Expo's CEO, Tom Portese, and Franchise Updates chairman and co-founder, Gary Gardner. Scott Lair joins me in less than two minutes, and we'll talk about it all.
0: Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our Sponsors.
1: Hey, Stan Friedman here, with a word about our newest sponsor. I'm talking about Transitive, an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine, accurate, dependable results that are second to none. Alright, without getting too deep into the weeds, Transitive connects franchisees' customer data from all sources, providing high-octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning. Yes artificial intelligence, which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important. Because as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups, delivering specific personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it. So what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's www.transitive.io. And now for our guest interviews, Scott Lair has served the franchise community for 29 years in numerous positions with the International Franchise Association related to marketing, membership, advertising, international, and conferences. His most recent role as Executive VP of Development, Marketing, and Conferences, where he was responsible for the recruitment and retention of franchisors, franchisee, and supplier members of the IFA and oversaw membership, advertising, marketing, conferences, and international departments of the IFA. Scott Now is the managing partner and CEO of GTNS Franchise Executive Search, helping franchise companies build out and grow their teams with high-quality executives, specializing in placing high-level franchise execs, including C-suite positions and director-level positions. He's joined in this venture by industry icons that we've known and loved for years, Tom Portese at MfV, and of course Gary Gardner, co-founder and chairman of Franchise Update Media Group. Scott, a lot going on, my friend and welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Thank you, Stan, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. I think that I have probably known you at least 27 or 28 of my years while at IFA.
1: So uh, I took inventory of that, Scott, and in prep for the show, I thought, how many of those 29 years have I known Scott? And I think the reality is it's closer to 21. It still feels like a lifetime, Scott. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I yeah, long a long time and a great friend and an icon yourself, Stan. So I really appreciate the opportunity
1: Well, I'm thankful to have you with us. Scott, we start this program each week the same way, so it's your turn to rewind the tape and take us back to the time where franchising found you so some 29 or 30 years ago what were you doing when that happened for you
2: well it was uh, it was 1990 Dan and, and I was actually working for a uh, private publisher in the real estate and economic development field as director of advertising and associate publisher and kind of circulation management really running a running a publishing operation and uh, I was recruited to the IFA to really help launch their Their original magazine, Franchising World, had been published for a number of years, and they were launching a new newsstand publication called Franchise Opportunities, and they were also launching a directory, which is still around the IFA, called the Franchise Opportunities Guide. And so with my advertising background, uh, I was hired to um, recruit and hire a team to, to grow the advertising business and kind of build... The early versions. This was pre-internet, so uh, you know I don't want to date ourselves. The early versions of the website and you know, all the online activity that IFA uh, previously had not had at all. So, uh, publishing a monthly magazine, a twice-a-year directory, as well as uh, the early versions of uh, IFA's website and, and uh, relationships with uh, some of the various services that were out there at the time, pre-internet days. So. Uh, that was that was my original position,
1: and this would have been under Don DeBolt's watch.
2: Uh, no, actually, it was it was um, Bill Tracasky was the, was the president at the time, and uh, I was actually reporting to uh, John Reynolds. Actually hired me because at the time he was kind of running marketing and communications, and so all all the publishing activity as well as marketing. John was my boss and uh, really became my mentor and friend and still a friend today. I just actually had uh, him over for dinner just the other night. So uh, stay in close contact with him, although we all know that he retired from the IFA about three to four years ago, something like
1: that. So life goes on after the IFA. Uh, in the case of John Reynolds, probably more time spent traveling and In South America than for you, Scott, but 29 years is an incredible run in today's world. I think about this when I thought about the 21 years that I've known you. I've probably changed shirts, which to me means companies, four or five, maybe more times in that space of time that you were maybe changing positions and roles, but you were with the IFA for a chunk of your life. Just can you reflect for a minute on the organization's early days under Bill Cherkowski through the leadership? You went through, what, four, maybe five CEOs? Between Tchaikovsky and Don DeBolt, Matt Shea, Steve Caldera, now Robert Crisanti. talk a little bit about the history of IFA for the audience, and many of whom have not been around franchising for as long as you and me.
2: Sure, yeah. When I when I came to IFA in, in 1990, it was it was obviously a much smaller organization, a, a, you know, probably a less sophisticated organization. But I think it just you know the the uh, the board and the organization was made up of of lots of founders of companies uh, less less of the of the the management that that we see nowadays because so many of the of the companies were were startup companies and fast growing companies and so that I think I think the first IFA convention that I attended in 1990 or 1991. I think maybe there was four to five hundred people there. Maybe maybe six hundred people tops. Uh, that was that was also a time when when uh, the IFA was hosting some of their events, their annual conventions, offshore locations, which ultimately the organization decided not to do just because they, they wanted to make it Uh, accessible for various titles within your your organization but as you may recall in the early days it was it was in many cases a lot of the the founders and CEOs were attending a lot of the events and so it it was it was you know a little bit part vacation and part education and and connection with with their with their peers but uh, obviously as you know now with IFA's convention approaching or exceeding four thousand people, it's a it's a whole different uh, animal. A lot a lot of change, you know, between those early years and current today. And uh, I, I, you know, as you said, I had the opportunity to work for a number of great CEOs, and of course, uh, many many uh, chairmen that were that were just fantastic uh, operators and, and leaders of their own companies, but also kind of put their own stamp on the association. During, during their years
1: as chair. Scott, we take for granted the things that we know because we've known and lived them for so long, but a great many people in our audience are emerging franchisors and some may not be familiar with the IFA. So can you talk a little about the structure of the organization and how you delineate as we were talking about CEOs that you work for versus chairman and where the heavy lifting gets done by actual members as compared to the staff of people which has been up, down, and in between in your tenure of time, but help the audience understand the structure and how IFAs fueled, and the involvement of franchisors, suppliers, and franchisees themselves. Sure.
2: Well, you know, First of all, the IFA is a nonprofit trade association that's really you know op- owned, owned and operated essentially really by by the members of the, the association. The direction of the association is created and driven by the volunteer leadership. And then ultimately is implemented by the staff. So, and that, that would be the president and CEO, along with the various staff that they hire. So, you know, we, we are really the product of the influence and the, and the direction of the members of the association, and in particular, the, the IFA board of directors.
1: So. And while it's changed in many years, and as has politics and you know all realms just like government and just like we see in our government administrations what are the things that have remained the same though what are the constant common denominators of IFA in terms of its mission and what it's out there to do
2: well i would i would say first and foremost uh, you know it, it, you know we are the, the the IFA was created to promote protect and enhance franchising that is actually the the mission of the association and many people have probably heard the story of Bill Rosenberg who was the founder of o- with Dunkin' Donuts and the IFA back in 1959 or early 1960. He was actually at a trade show in Chicago with a number of his colleagues and they were marketing and selling their franchises to various people. And this is, this is also all pre FTC as well. So there wasn't a lot of regulation out there. And so Bill, in his uh, wisdom, got together with a number of other franchise wars and basically pulled a hundred dollar bill out of his pocket and put it on the table and said, We need to get a group of people together to help market and promote and protect our organization because we have people in the government who don't understand our business and we need to be able to help band together and educate them on how valuable this business is and this uh, this model of growing a business. And so there there was uh, about 16, 18 companies that were the original founding members of the IFA. And I don't think I can rattle them off right now, but a lot of them are icon brands to this day. And so uh, so that, that was really the start of the IFA back in 1959 and it incorporated in 1960 in Chicago. And as a matter of fact, the, the association was actually based there for a number of years before it ultimately moved to, to DC. But you know, I would say one of the, one of the number one, it's, you know, from the beginning and really to this day, government affairs, government relations, the ability for the membership to help educate the members of Congress, whether it's federal state or local governments, help them understand what Franchising brings to the economy in the U.S. and you know, since the association is called the International Franchise Association, the founding members were smart enough to understand that this was not just a, a U.S. thing, but it, it was they were these companies were already growing internationally, so they wanted to make sure that the association could actually represent the interests all around the world, and so that's why the name created the International Franchise Association.
1: And at what point in time did the Franchise Association IFA start to focus in on? embracing franchisees as well as franchisors and suppliers?
2: Well, in uh, 1987, I believe, was, was, the, was the time that the IFA actually opened up its doors for suppliers to the industry. Back then, it was called the Council of Franchise Suppliers, which ultimately, over the years, suppliers became... Full active members of the IFA themselves, but I would say one of the one of the lead and probably the biggest things that I experienced during my time at IFA was in 1993. And at the time, I I remember because I was actually at the uh, board meeting when this happened. But it was uh, Steve Lynn, who was at the time the uh, the president and CEO of Sonic Industries, uh, Sonic Drive Thru. He was the one who led the board through opening up IFA membership to franchisees as you may recall at the time there were there were other groups out there that were forming, and you know the IFA ultimately decided that it made the most sense that it had to open up its membership to franchisees to be able to represent all interests of franchising. And, and I also remember at that meeting, Bill Rosenberg stood up in front of the entire group and, and looked at everybody and said, "What took you so long? I've been trying to do this since 1960." So it was a transformative time for the organization, and it you know still to this this. this day, we are trying to grow and and build and and build out the uh, franchisee membership and representation on the board. But as you know, we've we've had a number of franchisees from uh, Steve Siegel to Doc Cohen. Actually, our current chair right now, David Barr, is uh, a a franchisee of a number of brands, including being a a franchisee you know, franchisor as well. So we have come a long way from the standpoint of being able to represent franchisees during my time. From
1: your point of view, Scott, and you wear again many hats in your 29 years or you wore many hats in your 29 years, some of them on, as you said, the advertising and revenue generation side of the business and some of them on the membership and relationship management side of the business. What would you say are the most critical changes that you've seen in those years in terms of the IFA's direction and where the power of the brand of IFA really resides.
2: Well I you know as I, as I just mentioned I think you know bringing franchisees into the organization was probably one of the most transformative things that the organization has done that's certainly which we just covered you know I think the, the sophistication of franchising has forced the IFA to, to, to become much more sophisticated themselves again it, you know in the early years it was lots of founders and you know CEOs and presidents and you know it's certainly become more corporate executives. the number of private equity firms that are involved in franchising nowadays has certainly professionalized and made franchising just that more sophisticated, much more financially focused. And of course, the, the multi-unit franchisees. I mean, if, if you look at the number of multi-unit franchisees that I would say there there are more multi-unit franchisees that have larger than probably a half to maybe even two-thirds of the of the members. Private equity, multi-branded companies. You know, we've we have seen a number of brands that that have created multi-branded tiered structures and and all the multi-unit franchisees. I I think all of those aspects of franchising have really helped kind of make the organization just that much more sophisticated and the and the number of franchisees and investors that are actually getting involved in franchising just just that much more sophisticated.
1: A mission of my program Scott each week is to impart wisdom and to share some nuggets with those in the audience listening that are shared by the experts like you that are in that seat today. Would you share with the audience one reason the one most compelling reason that an emerging franchisor should be a member of this organization if he's not already?
2: You know, I think that you know while there's a number of things that the organization does, you know whether it's the the representation at the federal state levels of government, some of the, the franchise development activities that the IFA does. But I would say probably the number one reason for for an emerging franchisor to be involved and engaged in the IFA. Is the networking and education? It's 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 second to none. There are, there are other places where people can get some of this information nowadays. But whenever I speak with someone who has actually just been to the IFA convention, which is the largest event in franchising for franchise education, with over four thousand people, they are just blown away by the contacts, the information that is shared. And there's something about the franchising community that allows these franchisors and perhaps. It has something to do with the fact that we, we cross over a 100 different industries, so people may not necessarily feel as threatened to share their secrets and their, you know, their pain and their success. But the amount of sharing that goes on at the IFA convention and some of the other events that the IFA holds throughout the year is just amazing. And all an emerging or has to do is show up and start asking questions. And the organization makes it easy through a, an ambassador program, through their friendship mentoring program, which allows so many opportunities for phone calls, for in-person meetings with peers to help them understand and allow them to ask the questions. Because as we all know, Stan, we all make mistakes in business. But if you can learn from others' mistakes and not have to make those mistakes, yourself yourself, then you're just going to be that much further ahead. And so you just need to to have your, you have to create the culture within your own company that makes you understand and realize that that you don't know everything and that there are other people out there that can, that can share with you. And I know you've seen firsthand over many years and probably learned so many things yourself from the IFA, but I would say that's probably the number one reason for an emerging franchisor is to, is to take advantage of the networking and the educational opportunities.
1: For years, I've likened the IFA to being the equivalent for franchisors of what you as a franchisor are for your franchisees. So you hold an annual convention once a year, you bring your franchisees all in, they benefit from networking with each other and learning and sharing and caring, and they all go home hopefully better for the experience. And I look at IFA the same way, but we as Zors and suppliers and franchisees all come together and we act like franchisees and the mothership IFA becomes like the franchisor. And so to the point that Scott makes about networking, working and education and sharing. There's an incredible experience that happens at that convention once each year that if you drink from that well one time, you'll never again wonder what the value of IFA is and you will wonder why you waited so long to find out. Scott, you're responsible for a great many relationships with IFA leadership that became members of IFA because of the relationship that was born out of talking with you guys like Steve Greenbaum is one that I know about. Share some names with us of those people that you brought into this organization who have gone on to help lead it well of
2: course steve and and uh, steve greenbaum and, and brian spadell is a great example because they were they actually were uh, i i actually met them at a trade show prior to them being actually even part of the organization and they were and they were actually at the time um transitioning into into business business format franchising they had they had been growing other ways and they they had been told that franchising was a great way to go and so i actually prospected them and uh, brought them into the organization, and of course, uh, as many of your listeners know, Steve ultimately became the chairman of IFA and grew, you know, him and Brian collectively grew that business uh, to uh, many thousands of units and ultimately they have sold the business and I, you know, Steve left about uh, I might get my date wrong, but about a year and a half, maybe two years ago And uh, Brian, for what I understand uh, will be retiring at the end of this year after an amazing career helping continue to help the uh, brand grow. So that's, so that's certainly one uh, uh, another was uh, again from uh, from another trade show. Tim Ivankovich and his partner Steve were were at a show, and I think they maybe had three or four locations total at the time. Uh, they didn't know much about the IFA at all, and I and I recruited them in. and Tim became very involved in the IFA and ultimately uh, grew that business. Uh, he was he was one of the companies, one of the people who really I think. Learned how to work the broker networks very well, and really helped grow his business. And uh, learned a lot from IFA and spoke at many IFA events, and was involved in a number of different committees and things like that. But uh, you know, there's probably a list of thirty or forty of these companies that I've I've helped over the years. You know, helped arrange, introduce them to other groups who maybe ultimately bought them. It's been a real pleasure to really help and see these companies grow and prosper. But I mean, I I have a list of probably twenty or 30 influential people from my in my franchising life, all really brought to me through my um, involvement
1: with the IM. And you called out, called out Tim Ivankovich and we should point out that Tim went on to build and grow the cleaning authority, and, and it went on to become uh, private equity held. And we're going to talk briefly about private equity, Scott, before we flip gears on the other side of the break and come back and start talking about your new venture. Give us your side of private equity and, and when that wave started to present itself into the franchising world and what that looked like from the association side. Well,
2: uh, you know, I would actually like to call out some of uh, what I'd say is kind of the uh, one of the best bad- Best practice groups in private equity, and that's probably Roark Capital. We we have been friends, and obviously Steve Romanello served as the, the chairman of IFA, and I've gotten to know him both professionally and personally over the years. But we value organizations like Roark Capital from the standpoint of how how they look at franchising and how they invest in their in their brands, and they invest in their people to help grow and support the franchisees. So I think. If, if, if there was a, a model of best practice of private equity and franchise they would certainly have to be in that in that top two or three for sure uh, and they've obviously you know made made a lot of money for their for their investors and for their companies but if you look at, at the track records and so many of their brands that they acquired and, and ultimately sold off they, they actually don't really sell that off I would say that that they would definitely be at the top again I, I think that that private equity has provided the capital for so many franchisors to take it to the next level. And we're, and we're just now really seeing it kind of happen at, at more of the mid-size level and even some more emerging brands, as you know, and even some franchisee businesses are, are uh, being acquired by private equity. But I, it certainly helped franchising become more professional and more focused on ROI and really focused on unit economics as well. Uh, I would say if there's one thing that I think has, has really been put at the forefront in the last 10 years or so within franchising is the complete and total focus on unit economics at the franchisee level.
1: Couldn't agree with you more and it has helped us actually grow up as we we sometimes call it an industry, but really we're not an industry. We're just a way of doing business and bringing products and services to market, but as a compendium of all these different lines of business and in different market segments, some will sometimes call franchising an industry, but we collectively as a body have all matured greatly, I think, because of the influx of private equity. I agree with you completely. Scott, let's take another quick break. And when we come back on the other side, of that break, I'd like to do is spend some more time now talking about the new chapter in your book and the birth of GTNS, Franchise Executive Search, and what you, Gary Gardner, and Tom Portese are all up to. We'll do all that right after this. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zorical's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zorical's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zorical's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today? Take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot-on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. And Scott, we're back to talk a little bit about this new chapter in your life now. Um, Guys like you at IFA, everybody knows who they are, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's a bunch of people learning about you for the first time today, but literally now know that there's a strong foundation of 29 years worth of hands-on experience in leadership at the IFA, and now you're doing something, embarking on something outside of the sector of what we would call the public sector, I guess, but really not because you're not government, but the association work has built a foundation. For you, that is now taking you into a venture with two other esteemed leaders in the franchising space. Whose idea was this, and what was the birth of GTNS looking like?
2: When I talked with Robert Prisanti and you know made the plan that I was going to be leaving at the at the end of the IFA convention in 2009, I started talking with and I and I had every plan to actually retire and perhaps look at becoming a franchisee. I was looking at a few different brands with a couple of my children about growing some businesses that way and we still haven't actually put that put that to bed yet. We're, we're still looking at some opportunities certainly there. But after about a month or so uh, and I had been speaking with both Tom Portizi and Gary Gardner, and one of the things that we realized that all of us had been doing for the past 25, 30 years, all of us, because each of us had been in our respective organizations for about the same amount of time, we all realized that we had been helping companies and people find each other for years. So whether it's helping a company find a CEO or a VP of franchise development or helping an executive find the next place, uh, I'm sure just like you do, Stan, as well. but. The, after the three of us started talking about it, we uh, realized that between the three of us, we had 90 years' collective experience and connections and relationships out there in the, in the marketplace, and we're like, "Well, hey, maybe maybe this could work." And so it was it was really all of our ideas collectively, but. A lot of the discussion happened actually at the IFA convention. So we and so we started talking, uh, you know, through through the months uh, after after I left the IFA, although I was still working in a consulting role, actually, just until the last, just a few days ago, as a matter of fact. But um, so we officially launched the business in, in September. Um, although we had our first contract for uh, VP of franchise development that we signed at the end of August and and ultimately placed. Person just recently. So we're, that, was our, that was our first contract and we have a few more in the works right now, but it's a fascinating business. And while I actually thought I knew what search was earlier during my time at IFA, I, I've learned um, how much more intricate and delicate it is and how much more work goes into the search process. And so I'm really excited to kind of continue to fine-tune this. Certainly, we, we know lots of people and we know lots of companies. And uh, I'm excited to carry on with this. Uh, Gary and Tom, of course, are running their respective organizations. So we meet on a regular basis. But I am the first and only full-time employee right now. And our plan is to hire more as we move down with uh, with our growth plans.
1: You know, Scott, I think back over the years to how many people I've known in this industry and met. And I guess guys like Jerry Darnell, who carried what we would call a Rolodex back in the day, Of connections and people. For those who don't know what a Rolodex is, that would be the precursor to digital data that you store on your devices. But, you know, I've probably put more people together and connected more people, both for potential franchisees and Zors, as well as people that were looking for opportunities and companies that were trying to find the right people. Now I did all that unintentionally and probably could have retired by now on commissions if those were paid to me. But your point that executive search and placement is not today what you think or thought it was. Talk more specifically. What did well, you mean by I think, that?
2: I think uh, as you said, you know, I was doing the same thing when I was at the IFA, which was you know, if a company reached out to me, you know, a member company said, hey, I'm looking for various people, I would put them together with the people that I. Knew were either looking, or maybe I knew were were you know maybe not happy with with what they're doing. But I think you know what what I've learned is that it's really a much more serious and focused approach with uh, search in, in that, you know, first of all, you have to understand your clients' needs. You have to understand their culture and what they're trying to fill, what maybe they didn't have in the past, and then you have to go out and find it for them. And the majority of the time, it's someone who's working somewhere else. It involves being creative with your connections and being certainly assertive and in, in talking with people and helping various people understand the opportunity that, that is being presented. And so it, it's much more of a, a go out and seek the best talent for the, the uh, search that you're working on, as opposed to just trying to connect people, which I think was probably more of what I was doing in the past. So I, I, I think that that has been a little, you know, more eye-opening to me as as being new to being a professional uh, search firm.
1: So, is there a sweet spot in terms of how you're going to function and target prospective client companies and/or candidates? Will you be specializing in any of the market sectors or technologies or company sizes, or are you going to be a generalist that's going to help a whole lot of people from emerging brands well, to legacy? First and
2: foremost, did it. We are we are a hundred percent only focused on franchise companies. So obviously that spans many different industries. You know the uh, most of the most of the interest and contact that I've had so far with, with clients and potential clients have, have been on the franchise development side and on the marketing side. But I'm talking with a company right now about COO and a, a CEO position as well. So, uh, and, and also having conversations with uh, private equity firms who are looking to fill some of their, some of their senior management positions at, at the brands that they, uh, that they have investments in. So I would say again, hundred percent focused on franchise, probably not a specific niche or a specific industry but you know so obviously both food and non-food so far a lot of the a lot of the discussions i've had have actually been with non-food companies but uh, i am sure i will be working with some of the bigger food brands coming up here
1: you know it's just a a random thought on my part but i all but believe that because of the growth of the brokerage aspect of franchise development, franchisors, I think, are even more compelled now to raise the bar on the quality of their in-house franchise development people and that they're having to deal with a more sophisticated buyer and working with the brokers on the other side. What are your thoughts about the level of professionalism that a franchisor needs to consider when bringing on new talent, especially if they're going to be working with brokers? Yes. Well,
2: first of all, I think that the broker networks have actually been, uh, they have certainly done a good job of recruiting some of the talent outside of the, you know, to, you know, from, from franchise companies, people who formerly were directors and VPs of development franchise companies are are now working in the broker networks, but I would say pretty much everyone that I speak to on the on the franchisor side wants someone who has expertise in working with the broker networks and 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 understanding how how that relationship works. I mean, obviously there's there's meetings, there are just the understanding of of how to work efficiently and effectively with broker networks is critical for um, any development executives. Not everybody works with broker. But many do. So I, it's a it's a critical component from my perspective uh, when I'm talking to candidates about working for or on.
1: Scott, we've come to the place in the interview where I always ask my guests, "What, if anything, have I failed to ask you that you wish that I might have?"
2: No, well, Stan. First of all, I just I appreciate your friendship all these years, and we have had a lot of fun together. We have uh, been involved in many programs, traveled to, to great places together, and I, first of all, I just I just appreciate that with you. and I would say that uh, been able to share, I think some nuggets of my time at the International Franchise Association which was, is a fantastic organization. And again, I encourage all listeners, if you are not a member of IFA, to seek it out, whether you are a franchisor, franchisee, or a supplier to the industry. And certainly, I hope that you will consider gt to help you find talent uh, for your organization if you're if you're looking. And, if, and also, as an executive, if you're looking for your next opportunity to uh, check in with me as well. So, Stan, I appreciate the opportunity today.
1: It's a pleasure, Scott. It's been a pleasure knowing you for all these years and having you in my life as well. And if for those who might want to check in with you to pursue the conversation further, let's not let you get away without telling the audience how to find you.
2: I'm always available by phone. I'm going to give my cell phone 443-414-6131. And my email is lair at franchiseexecutivesearch.com.
1: Let's give that phone number one more time and then spell your sure. name as part of your uh, email address as well.
2: 443- 414-6131, and my email address, Scott Lair that's S-C-O-T-T-L-E-H-R, at franchiseexecutivesearch.com.
1: Scott, it's been a real pleasure having you here today. I can't thank you enough for sharing and caring and for all that you've done to grow the brand of franchising as each of us within franchising have grown our own brands collectively. Scott, thanks again.
2: Thanks, Dan. Have a good day.
1: And please remember to subscribe to Franchise Today at Block Talk Radio and that you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or virtually any place that podcasts are found. Remember, too, that you can even ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today. Remember to like us on Facebook, and please let me hear from you with thoughts, comments, suggestions for future guests. You'll find all of my contact info on my LinkedIn profile. Until next week, I'm Stan Friedman, and I'm wishing you the best, the very best, of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out.